0: Welcome to another C3 Church Rockingham podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au. I want to talk about how to expect the unexpected. This is something that God really put in my heart the beginning, well, at actually the end of, uh, of uh, uh, 2019. And it just has grown within me from that point. But how to expect the unexpected. When you read the Bible, the first thing you discover, especially in the New Testament, well, all through it, everything was the unexpected. And you look at your own life and you recognize that most of you 10 years from now, or 10 years ago, would never thought you'd be here today. But the unexpected happened. Yeah. And if you look at your life and the people you've known or the jobs you have or the things that have happened, you can always see the unexpected. You never thought this would happen or that would happen, or you would meet this person or that person, the unexpected. God loves the unexpected, because the unexpected requires faith. The unexpected always puts him as Lord of our life. Let me make a few statements uh, right off front. If you don't listen to me, I want you listen to listen not you listen to me. If you don't expect the unexpected, you'll create the expected. And by creating the expected in life, you'll build the level of your own disappointment. Because disappointment never happens from what happens. It happens from what you thought would happen that didn't happen. And the degree of distance between what you thought you would get and you got becomes your degree of disappointment. And the hardest thing to recover from is not what happens. The hardest thing to recover from is disappointment because you thought something would happen that never happened. Now, you know, and I can go on on this. I don't want to take too long, but every girl understands this. Because women begin to get married at the age of two. Just watch, just look at what they watch. Around Christmas time in the States, it might be the same here, they come out with all those Hallmark movies. Absolutely worthless. It's like eating a bucket of unbuttered popcorn. Those things are so, you can, they're so predictable. I told Ginger, it's what I call a plus minus plus. They start out with Plus. And then eight minutes before it ends, it hits a minus. And then the last minute to two minutes, it goes back to plus. They are so, they're not real. But women like them. Because a woman starts getting married when she's two, but she marries the image in her head. And then she wakes up to the real. And the degree of distance between what she thought she would get and she got becomes her level of disappointment. You got it now. You got it now. So, the problem is when we prefix how we think everything's going to be, we set ourselves up for disappointment. If I prefix what a friendship is going to be, it probably won't be what I have determined. If I get in my head what I think church is supposed to be and it's not, I create my own level of disappointment. And then we miss everything that God wants to do. So we set ourselves up instead of expecting the unexpected, letting him show up. That's why the Bible said in Mark chapter 16 that Jesus appeared in another form, It didn't even say what other form. He can come in any form he wants. He can come through people. He can come through through uh, just, and just, just a, a uh, I'm' trying to think of a good word, but just something <laughs> that happens. And we miss that because we prefix how we think it's supposed to happen when all the time he's showing up and we don't see him. We don't recognize it. The other thought is, you can actually sometimes get what you want. But when you get it, you wish you never had it. (laughs) One of the governors of the great state of Texas was taken to a mental institution Five stories, he went to the first story of the mental institution and there was a guy sitting in a rocking chair, rocking back and forth, repeating the name Lulu over and over, been there for years, just sat there every day in a rocking chair going back and forth saying this girl's name, Lulu. The governor asked, he said, what's wrong with him? He said he was in love with a girl named Lulu and she jilted him for another man. He's been here ever since, he just rocks in the chair and he repeats her name. They took the governor to the the second story, the third story, all the way to the fifth where where they were in padded cells. And there was a man in this padded cell and just slobbering and running his head against the padded part of the cell, screaming the name Lulu. And the governor said, What happened to him? He said he married Lulu. You <laughs> see, you might get what you want, but when you want it, you're back, you wish you never had it. So we want to create the unexpected. Because the unexpected, when God starts showing up, when it's not just a precondition of what we think is going to happen, but God shows up and does things in a moment that we could have never put together. It becomes a God moment, a God relationship, a God thing. Are you with me so far? You look at, and I won't take a lot of time to get into it, but you look at Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 is an amazing chapter in the book of Acts because in it is the unexpected in Paul's life. And literally you and I are here today because of what happened in Acts chapter 16. See, Paul had an expectation. He wanted to go to a place called Bithany. Now listen to the story, because every story in the Bible historically happened, but every story in the Bible is happening. So everything happened, but everything is happening. He wanted to go to Bithany. Bithany was the richest province in Asia. It's obvious why he wanted to go. If he could go where there was influence and preach the gospel, that influence could be multiplied Tens of thousands of times. Very practical uh, way to do things. He wanted to go there. Richest province in Asia. But he never got there. He ended up in this port city called Troas. Even the name is disturbing. (laughs) And he didn't want to go to Troas. But he ends up in Troas. The unexpected happens. I love this story. He's in Troas, the unexpected. And... (laughs) While he's there, God shows up. God can show up anywhere. And he has a vision of a man from Macedonia. And in that vision, he hears this man say, come over here. Now, Macedonia back then is today Greece. And he ended up in a city called Kavala. Today it's called Kavala. Is that another name in the Old in the book of Acts? It's Kavala. We went there one time. And the, what, the reason why it's so significant is that was the first time that the gospel hit European soil. And when the gospel hit Europe and spread through Europe, that's what changed the world. And it all came out of the unexpected. Ginger and I had a great friend of ours. He's in heaven now. His name was Dave. Dave was born in Moose, Wyoming. Who ever heard of a town called Moose? (laughs) And he said, uh, when he met his wife, Jan, she thought it was a pickup line until he showed her her driver's license. He said, Moose. Dave was one of the most unusual guys I ever met in my life because he was one of these guys that just would show up, almost like the Holy Spirit. And things would just happen to Dave that, couldn't, that didn't happen to anybody because he thought everything, he looked like a California surfer dude from the 1960s, but he was actually born in Moose, Wyoming, just the way he looked. And, and he would just have things happen to him by accident that most people couldn't figure out. So he's watching the, the news one day. It's like 1990, and the, Sov- the, uh, the, um, for, the former Soviet Union had just collapsed and then all this stuff's going on and, and so on. You got, you got uh, Reagan was the uh, well, was end of his term already. But anyhow, all this stuff's going on and Dave sees it and all these nations are popping open for the first time. And, and, and he really doesn't, you know, he's saved now. He's got four kids, two girls, two boys. And he looks at his wife, Jan, and he said, I think we ought to go. And she was one of these go along, get along. Let's do it. So he, he figures out he doesn't know much about the Bible. So he calls up a Bible school in Texas called Christ for the Nations in Dallas. He calls them up to get information. And while he's getting information, they thought he called up to enroll. So a friend of mine at that time, there was the director, enrolls him on the phone. And Dave was too polite to say no. So he ends up getting enrolled in the Bible school. So he has to move from Wyoming to Dallas with a family of six. And a buddy of mine was the head of the missions department back then, and Dave was there six months and said, Dave, you don't need this school anymore. I love people like that, that think outside of the box. You don't need this thing, you got it, man, go. So Dave took enough Russian to become dangerous, (laughs) got on an airplane to go to Minsk, Belarus, and start a ministry, not knowing anybody. He has to go through Frankfurt To have a layover, he's pulling his luggage and he bumps into a guy. I told you, God will always do the unexpected. Bumps into a guy. And when he bumped into him, he started a convert. Are you with me so far? Started a conversation. And this guy said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to Minsk, Belarus. The guy said, I'm a Belarusian. (laughs) That's my city. Gave him a business card. See me when you get there. So he ends up in Minsk. Stayed at the Orbita Hotel. Ginger and I were there a couple times. The Orbita Hotel, bad. this is when communism just ended. When, you, know, you understand the reality of communism. It institutionalized nation after nation. they can 't think. it 's like getting out of prison for 30 years. you 're institutionalized. And he gave, it was a dollar a day. He stayed there two years. (laughs) That's a true story. Two years in the Orbita Hotel. Made friends with all the maids so they would bring extra food for his kids. So he calls this guy up, only guy he knows in Minsk gets a hold of this guy. And they meet. Now you got to understand when Russian men get to culturally, when Russian men get together, they go to steam rooms, they sweat. Then each of them have a branch that's cut from a, white, from, from a white willow tree and they beat each other's back. So you turn the sweat coming and this guy takes a branch from a white willow tree and he starts lacerating your back and then you beat him. That's where aspirin comes from. Aspirin comes from the bark of a white willow tree. So it creates a little euphoric Feeling. So Dave's with this guy and they're beating each other. They're doing this once a week. You know how conversations begin to deepen after a while. Especially if you're getting beat up. Get real open. So finally, Dave asked, this guy asked Dave, he said, what are you trying to accomplish in my nation? He said, well, I want to build a, I want to produce and distribute contemporary Christian gospel music. I don't want a remake of America. I want the artists to come out of here. And this guy looks at Dave. He said impossible. You want to produce it and distribute it? He said, "Oh yeah, throughout the former 11 time zones of the former Soviet Union. I want a whole distribution company." He said impossible. He said, "This is this is Russia. You can't do that here." Not without my help and Dave said who are you he said I'm the number one Russian mafia boss of this nation he said we know distribution Dave led that guy to the Lord discipled that guy. He stayed with Dave all the way to the day he went to heaven. He spent 12 years. Dave Brunk became the largest producer and distributor of contemporary Russian gospel music in the world. He went on Russian TV with an audience of over 50 million people that would view his pro. He did an, like an MTV, really out of the box type stuff. Had these guys, these guys, I mean he got these guys saved, these young artists. They were pierced, they were tatted, they were everything. And Dave was just so open to him. He started using them and using them and using them. It's amazing. The unexpected begin to happen. The unexpected begin to happen. The unexpected can happen anywhere. I want us, but you can create an aware. You can raise the level of the unexpected happening in your life. You want to know how? Do you want to know how? Yes. Yes. See, there are a lot of people that lower the level of the unexpected. It never happens to them. Or if it does, it's not good. It's the wrong, unexpected. You watch those people, but you can raise the level of it. I'll give you three thoughts. They're they're right. From I mean, they 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 mean a lot to me because I've watched these things being lived out in my own life. The first one. Now listen to me. You got to always keep a forward motion in life. Got to be doing something. Always. I don't care what it is. Keep. Emotion a foot. You can't steer a parked car. I'd rather have you go in the wrong direction than no direction. The Apostle Paul was moving as Saul of Tarsus. He was going in the opposite direction, but because he was moving, God could reverse him. It's the people that sit that do nothing that God can't do anything with because the Bible says if you sit, you die. You got to keep moving. Got to move. I remember being years ago when we first started going to Africa. I, I love the story of David Livingston. One of the greatest, considered next to the Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary that ever walked the earth. He was the only guy that ever walked the breadth of Africa. It took him four and a half years to go from um, the Indian Ocean to the Atlantic. He rode on the back of an ox. He had a whole company. He had a boat a 40-foot boat, that's about 10 and a half, 10, uh, uh, 12-meter boat, and they would disassemble it and assemble it when they would hit water, and then when the rivers would dry up, they had to disassemble it and carry this thing. Imagine four and a half years going through, no white person had ever done it. And Livingston had a saying, they would say, which way, Dr. Livingston? He said, anyway, as long as it's forward. Never stop moving in life. Never stop going forward. And I don't care who you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. The definition of age, it was a guy by the name of Noah Webster that standardized English in his dictionary that he wrote in 1828. He spoke 36 languages. He was brilliant. He wrote 40, 40,000 definitions in his first dictionary with 10,000 Bible references. And he wrote his testimony on the inside of that first dictionary on how he got saved. And when you look at the 1828 edition of Noah Webster, and nobody's going to argue with Noah Webster, and you look at old, we define old in a numerical way. We define old based on a birth date, based on a number. He never defined old that way. Old is defined as beyond usefulness, belonging to the past, stale. You can be old at 20. You can be young at 90. As long as you're moving forward, you're young. You ever eat a donut? My weakness was glazed donuts. I loved them. Could eat a dozen at one time in Jesus' name. When a glazed donut comes out of the oven, it glistens in the sunlight. The glaze, the smells, intoxicating, draws you to it. The problem with a glazed donut, if it sits in the kitchen counter overnight, the glaze dissipates and it's stale because it's old. That's the definition of old, a day old glazed donut. You gotta get the glimmer, the shine back in your life. I got a buddy of mine, Wayne Myers. He's 97, turned 97 August 30th of last year, going on 98. When he was 88 years old, I called him up. He's in Mexico, been living there for 70 years, got saved on the USS Enterprise in World War II in the South Pacific, fighting the Japanese, went up 500-pound armor-piercing bomb bounced off the wooden flight deck of the USS Enterprise and exploded in the ocean. But That's when he got saved. Good time to get saved. (laughs) Ended up in Mexico. He's built over 6,000, financed 6,000 church buildings in his 70 years. When he was 88, I called him up, and he started yelling, he has big ears. He doesn't hear too good, so he yells the whole time. And he said, "I can't die. And he, I can't." I said, "Why can't you die?" He said, "I got too much to do. I got three hundred churches that I have to raise the money for to build this year in Mexico. I can't die." He preaches two to four times a week at ninety-eight years, uh, almost ninety-eight years of age. Long as you got something, long as you got a forward motion, and there's something in your future, you can't die. Second thing. I gotta hurry up! Oh my God! The second thing, listen to me. Jordy's the only guy, in the front, only decent guy in the front row. Has to smack somebody. <laughs> <laughs> listen to me. Second thing, you gotta stop living out of a negative memory yeah. and move to a positive imagination. And if I don't go any further, this is so important. You gotta, I'll park it right here if I have to. This is so vital. They did an experiment, MRIs on people's brains in Las Vegas. People that gamble, not professionally, but just people that gamble. And they discovered doing MRIs on their brain that when the stakes get high, it triggers a negative memory. And that's where we get the phrase, I'd rather be safe than sorry it triggers something and they freeze, they won't go any further. Because it hits a memory, it hits something, a negative memory. You and I have always seen, you watch things that happen in a person's life and something can trigger it. And when it triggers it, that person will revert back to that incident that happened years ago. We had a guy in our church, he was actually on staff, his name was Ernesto, Ernesto was in the Vietnam War, did three tours, he was a Navy SEAL. Fast forward 20 some odd years, the Vietnam War. Now, I mean, he was in there 64, 65, 66. And and I was out there, I didn't, I mean, I went out there to preach back in the 90s and I did a documentary and I was showing it in church. And when he heard the Vietnamese tongue, it triggered the memory when he was there and they had to physically carry him out. He thought, he said, he said, said, I thought it was behind me until he heard it because he was a tunnel rat which means that when he crawled in those tunnels, either he dies or they die, but we don't both come out alive. And it triggered that memory. After three tours in Vietnam, we had to physically carry him. He was shaking, violently, triggered it. So it's, it's a very, it's science. When you understand that a lot of people, things trigger negative memories. And when the negative memory gets triggered, it'll revert you back to that instant and paralyze you. Can't move forward. I want you to hang on to that thought. See, one of the reasons why in Ephesians 3.20, the Bible said that God's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all you can ask or imagine. According to the power that's at work within you, there's a power that only comes out through asking and imagining. And unless I learn to ask and imagine, that power lays dormant on the inside of me. It's no, it's no coincidence, when you look at the nation of Israel, they were in slavery to Egypt for 400 years, and in that period of time, they were slave labor making bricks. Now, how do you make a brick? Well, the way they did it, then, basically it was adobes. And the way they do it is, it's a form with dirt, Water that turns into mud, and you squish it with your feet. You put straw in it, and you squish it with your feet. And you leave it in the form till it dries up, and you do another one. So listen, generationally, they'd be making bricks. So every time they looked at their feet, their feet were always had either dry mud or wet mud. Their grandfather had dry mud, wet mud. Their father had dry mud, wet mud. They had dry mud, wet mud. It was a form, it was a constant reminder that all you are is a slave. You'll never go any further than this. You'll, you've, you've, you're generational, you've been this. Your great great grandfather was a slave. Your great grandfather was a slave. Your grandfather was a slave. Your father was a slave. Your, father, your sons are going to be slaves. Your daughter, that's all you will ever be. It's a generational, and there's people in here who generationally have memories. They were this way, you're gonna be this way. Dad had a violent temper, you're gonna have a violent temper. Your parents got divorced, you'll probably get divorced. This happened, this happened. And so, watch, listen to me. So then Moses comes and the Red Sea splits. It said it congealed, which meant, which meant it froze on both ends, congealed. And it says this in Old the New Testament, it's repeated, this phrase is repeated. It's, listen to it, it said, and when they crossed over, they crossed over on dry, Come on. Yeah. dry, Come on. Yeah. not wet. It should have been wet. The waters had just parted. They're barefoot. They're walking. Their foot should have sunk into mud. If it had sunk into mud, God knew it would have triggered the memory of a slave, yeah. paralyzed them, and they would have retreated. So God had to go from a negative memory to a positive imagination. And you can just put yourself there. When those feet... Hit dry ground. It hit and triggered an imagination that we are no longer slaves. We are no longer a slave to our past. Just because my great grandfather and grandfather and father was, I am no longer this. My feet hit and it triggered that foot, triggered an imagination in their mind that saw a future for the first time. God wants you to live out of a positive imagination. Listen to me, spend at least, you always have 10 to 15 minutes by yourself every day, whether you're driving, whether you're walking, whatever you're doing, and purposely every day, listen to me, don't just take this lightly, purposely every day, (laughs) every day. Begin to form. Begin to, I don't care if you're praying in tongues. I don't care how you do it. Begin to form an imagination of the future. See yourself doing so. See yourself going. The Bible says, there's one translation that says you can magnetize yourself with success. Things will be drawn to you. Things will start coming into your life. Things will start, don't see a negative, but begin to dream of a positive. See things happening and bathe that imagination every single day, and I promise you, within weeks or months, things will start coming into your life. The unexpected will start showing up in your life. Don't live in a negative past, but live in a positive imagination. Energy will start to come. Life will start to come. Vitality will start to come. The third thought, real quickly, the third thought. How are we doing on time? 10 minutes, five minutes. The third thought. Recognize the value of a day. God only gives life in days. To me, it's one of the most powerful thoughts I've ever seen. There's hundreds of scriptures in references to days. This is the day. It doesn't say this is the week the Lord's made. It doesn't say this is the year. We talk about years, wonderful. It doesn't say this is the year the Lord's made. It doesn't say this is the decade. It says this is the day. Jesus said, give us this day, our daily bread. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The Bible says you never know what a day will bring forth. Days and references to days are all over the Bible. The average person has between 25,000 and 30,000 days and God gives them one at a time. What you do with the day, you've done with your life. If you can change a day, you can change your life. If you can recognize that every day is a gift from God, I've only got today. Yesterday's gone, tomorrow's not here. Plan for your future, because you can only live today. And then the day that you're living, recognize everything that around you. Have a heart of constant gratitude and thanksgiving. Yeah. And just go through, you, can, you will never come to the end of your gratitude if you start thinking of all the things you're, that you are thankful for. You'll never come to an end. You can look at creation and never stop thanking God for what He's done around you. You can look at friends and family and start naming them one by one. And it's a known fact that the more that when a person expresses gratitude, endorphins will fill their mind and fill their body. You know, they'll flood you. They'll flood your mind. Listen to anybody that has a gracious attitude, they're always physically stronger, they can do more physically than the person that has a negative attitude. A complainers, you rob your own body of endorphins that will fuel you with energy. But the more you and I are gracious and full of gratitude and begin to thank God, you can literally physically feel it in your mind and feel it inside of your body. Energy comes, strength comes, optimism comes, excitement comes, enthusiasm, and everybody wants to be around somebody that has genuine enthusiasm in life. Nobody wants to be around a Debbie Downer. <laughs> Nobody wants to be around a, a, an energy vampire that sucks all the life out of you. I got one more story. Can I got time? You sure I got time? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a true story, it's a fictitious story. <laughs> but it contains truth. All my stories are true. If they're not true, I'll let you know. And even if they're not true, they contain truth and containing truth is as great as truth itself. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> there was a man, he was a, 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 a project manager, for lack of a better word, that worked for a very wealthy builder. And this guy was the project manager. So every time they were gonna build, and this guy, all he built was high-end homes, very, very high-end homes. And this guy that worked for him, was the project manager, so he had to oversee. He had to hire all the subcontractors. He had to oversee the project from start to completion. All the uh, a boss did is give him the blueprints and finance it. And so he worked for him for over 25 years. And one day the boss came to him and said, uh, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and, and uh, he, he said, uh, uh I, I'm tired. So he said, well, I want you to build one more house and then, and then I'm, I'm getting rid of the company. And he said, this house is gonna be the best we've ever built. It's gonna take a year. And I'm gonna take my wife to Europe during that time. When I come back, I want it finished. So with that, he left. And this project manager began to, after his boss left, he began to, to think. He thought, well, if it's the last house, it means I'm out of a job. He's wealthy, I'm not. He paid me decent, but I'm not wealthy. And the more he thought like that, the more aggravated he became. Began to complain internally. Began to get mad. You know how those things go? At first it's shock. And then it's anger. And then it's revenge. Oh yeah. Yeah, the more he bathed his discontent and his complaint, the angrier until he got to the place and he thought to himself, oh yeah, I'll build the house. I'll build it. But I'll build it inferior. And I'll cover every mistake. And he'll never know it. But the house will only last five years. And then the foundation will crack. And the walls will implode. And the ceiling will drop. And you actually begin to get excited. Over his revenge. And he kept on rehearsing it. Inferior, concrete. Five years. He began to build that house, cover up all of his mistakes so they weren't evident to the human eye. Big house big piece of land, spent one year. His boss came back after one year in Europe. He picked him up from the airport and his boss said, is the house finished? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 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 Take me to the house, take me. So he drove out in the country and he could see it at a distance sitting on top of a hill. I mean, it was gorgeous. The boss said come come and come on in. They begin to go in the front door, the entranceway, they went through the hallways, they went to the kitchen, they went to the bathroom, I mean the the bedrooms, everything's huge. Took one hour. This boss was praising him. And all the time the man's thinking And after one hour, they came by the front door again. The boss looked at this project manager and he said, for 25 years, you've served me. For 25 years, you've been faithful to my company. He reached into his pocket. He pulled out a key. He said, the house is yours. And that man began to think, oh my God. See, you and I are building a house. And you're the only one that puts material in it. Nobody else can add to that house but you and I. Nobody else will ever live in that house because it's your life but you and I. And every day when we wake up, we can say this is the day that the Lord's made. I'm going to be filled with gratitude. I'm going to be filled with excitement. I'm going to be filled with energy. I'm going to help people. I'm going to love people. I'm going to lift people. I'm going to bless people. And I'm going to fill this house with the greatest material. And God will take the material of today and he'll build your future. Stand Stand up with me. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Just stand there for a moment. I want you to do two things. First of all, Just open it, just close your eyes for a moment, open up your heart and make a decision that you're gonna move out of a negative memory into a positive imagination. That every day when you wake up, you're gonna, you and I are gonna recognize this is the only day I've got. I'm gonna be filled with excitement, enthusiasm and joy. I'm going to express gratitude inside of me and outside of me. I'm going to value all the people that God's placed me in contact with. I'm going to be thankful for everything God's done in my life and is doing and will do. And if you and I will do that, an energy will come, an excitement will come, a zeal will come, that will be so attractive that people you'll draw people into your life, because everybody wants enthusiasm. Everybody wants excitement. Everybody wants the energy that will come out of our life. Make that decision to fill your life with material that God can use to bring about the unexpected, and you'll begin to expect every day, God, I expect. I don't know what the unexpected is but I expect the unexpected. Things are gonna happen that I never thought would happen. I'm gonna meet people that I never thought I'd meet. I'm gonna bump into people, and it's gonna look like an accident, but I'll be instrumental in helping them. God, you're gonna do things. Every day becomes an adventure of excitement, not a mundane repeat or rerun of yesterday if God can make every sunrise unique, if God can make every sunset so unique and paint the sky in a way that it's never been painted before with his artistic ability and never two days are the same, never two sunrises or sunsets are the same, why can't he do that beyond that for us when you and I are the crowning point of his creation? We have more value than creation because we've been made in His image and His likeness. This is the end of the podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au or call us on
1: 9524-5055.